Hello and welcome to the Fire Podcast. I'm Ryan Rhodes. On today's episode, growing up prophetically gifted without proper guidance left her depressed and frustrated. An invitation and encounter with Holy Spirit that changed everything. And how do we disciple those who operate in the seer realm? Sarah is a prophetic voice and founder of the Her Tribal Community. She utilizes spiritual insight and coaching to unlock the prophetic voice within women and to aid them in receiving the strategies of heaven for the world around them through intercession. This is a great episode. We really enjoyed, my wife and I, Milka, uh, she was the co-host on this one. We really enjoyed connecting with Sarah. It was actually our first time meeting her. Uh, Justin Allen, a friend of the show and a good friend of ours, uh, recommended her as a prophetic voice and somebody that would have uh, some great insight and some great things uh, to say. And so he actually gave us some questions to ask her, um, which we ask in this podcast. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it, uh, and I hope it blesses you. If this podcast has blessed you, uh, would you please consider giving a one-time gift or monthly support of the podcast so we can continue, can continue to grow and expand our reach Right now, I believe we are in 31 nations, which is incredible uh, and growing. Our audience is growing and the testimonies are just keep coming in and it's been rather incredible. Um, We feel like we're just along for the ride. So um, please consider supporting this podcast. You can do so by going to firemovement.com slash support. Uh, as well as uh, be sure to share this, like like our posts on social media, share them with your friends, um, share this podcast. There's somebody you know who needs to hear this podcast. So reach out to them, suggest it to them, and uh, and let us know. Let us know how this, this podcast has, has impacted you. You can either uh, direct message us on Instagram, and our Instagram handle is at EncounterFire, or you can contact us through the website. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you. So we're going to jump into this conversation after a quick sponsor segment. Religion loves Jesus the teacher, is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. You got to go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly and you don't let anything else stop you, and if you'll, if you'll align yourself with who you are as a son or daughter of God, there is nothing that can stop you. This is the Fire Podcast. Well, I'm here with my beautiful co-host and wife. Hola. Say your name. Milka. (laughs) This is off to a great start. 
And uh, I'm excited about our guest today. Uh, we have Sarah Guevara. Did I say it right? You did. Okay. I practiced it and wrote it out how I need to say it. Um, and this is this is kind of cool because I think you're the I think you're our first guest that we don't actually know. I think. That's I'm pretty awesome. sure. Um, but you came highly recommended by our friend Justin Allen, friend of the show. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, I'm excited excited to get to know you. And then I really felt like my wife was supposed to be on here, and I really felt like you guys were supposed to meet. So I'm glad this happened because I think we first yeah. talked about that months ago. Uh, <laughs> you know, a yeah. lot of life has happened since then. Oh, yes. But welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, it has been months, um, and I'm excited to meet Milka. I've been watching her on Instagram and all her babies and... <laughs> All the homeschooling <laughs> things. I love it. It's so cute. Yeah, we just started following each other on Instagram. And so it's interesting to follow someone on social media and get a peek into their lives. I saw your story about your daughter with the rats. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Oh, my gosh. That's like my nightmare come true. But yeah, yeah, so it's cool to finally meet on here and, and talk. <laughs> she yes. hates rats and mice. It's gonna be good with a passion. Yeah, no, I don't. With a passion, I don't understand it. Yeah, it's horrible. Why do you want that in your house? We spend so much time trying to get them out of our houses. So why bring them in? Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> apparently, we haven't seen many of them here, but apparently, it's a, a thing here in Seattle that there's rather large rats. Oh, God. We just moved oh. into the city officially, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen any yet. I don't want to see well, any I hope ever. you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had mice in our last house <laughs> for, for a short stint. Mm-hmm. That was awful. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. They're horrible. <laughs> but you guys end up getting what? Guinea pigs? Is that right? A, a guinea, guinea pig, pig or something? Yeah. Yeah. He is... Um, Mr. Fluff Master 2000, I think that was the official name. <laughs> what? Like, we got to go big with the names. Like, we spent a lot of time talking about this. So, um, yeah, that was my, my that vote. Is I won. <laughs> He's super oh cute. I love him. That's awesome. And how do you, so how do you know Justin? Um, yeah, Justin, I just, I think I was following him for a little bit there and um, there was kind of a a prophetic word and dream that I had over like a three-year period of time Um, and it was like it was like multi-layered and God just kept kind of giving me more pieces to the puzzle and I remember I just reached out to him one time and I'm like hey um would you mind helping me process this because it was a lot and it felt like um um, I just needed like a space to really lay things out and um, and he he did I think we jumped on a zoom and um, he was really speaking into that really uh, affirming and confirming some things so that's kind of how we met um, and then yeah we've just connected I've kind of spoken some things into his life he's spoken into my life and um, yeah that's awesome mm-hmm. it's really cool so Everyone, if you're listening, send Justin your dreams, yeah. and he will interpret all of them. <laughs> it's always yeah, a prophetic word with Justin. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to appreciate that. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> no, he's done the same for us mm-hmm. a couple different times. It's been really good. Um, but yeah, you came highly recommended. I I don't know if this is the same the same word, but he had told me to ask you about a mama bear word. Of course he did. Um, yeah, that was part of it. Um, <laughs> there was like three different words in that and dreams and visions. And yeah, it was kind of a word over California um, uh, that I had gotten. And it was really heavy on my heart. Um, and it was just, I had seen this vision. God really works with me with visuals um, and visions and the prophetic. And um, I had just seen bears mama bears coming down from the hills of california we have such beautiful mountains here and they it was like they were waking up from hibernation and they were hungry and the lord just um pulled this word out of hosea that i actually had never read this scripture and it it was like you know how like with prophetic words god will bring to your remembrance things that you've already kind of hidden in your heart And Mm -hmm. this was like, go look up Hosea 13, like the specific scripture. And so I had never read Mm -hmm. that. And I pulled it up and it was speaking about the Lord, like likening himself to a bear waking up and seeing that um, their cubs were missing. And just that fierceness of a mama bear going after the predator who took her cubs. And the scripture says that the Lord, you know, that he would rip open his enemies and so um yeah i just heard him say that the mama bears of cal excuse me california were waking up and that they had permission to pursue the enemies that had robbed their dens and so um i just was speaking that over women you know in kind of in my sphere of influence um but i just felt like it was a word because there was so much happening in california and people were just really feeling overwhelmed And I just felt like the daughters of this state were waking up and really needed to roar. There was like a roar in them um, and just really projecting their voice spiritually at the enemy and taking back what the enemy had stolen. So that was that was part of it. Um, And since then, that's really it really resonated with people. But I think it's that's a word for all over the nation, just women all over the world right now. When did you get that word? Um, it was 2020, probably February, 2020, January, February. Okay. Uh, have you heard of the word by Lana Vosser for mothers arising? I have heard that. Yeah. Mothers arising. Okay. It reminded me a lot of that word. Yeah. Yeah, since then, Mama, well, I'm sure before that, too, there was a lot of people getting uh, the same sort of mothers arising and Deborah voices arising, Esther. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it actually reminds me of, um, do you remember when Lou Engel went into that hole? Where was that? Was that a Jesus conference? Yes, yes, it was. Mm -hmm. About how... Not an actual Jesus conference. It was in Youngstown. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he, he went into the whole thing about women what women would tear down what Jezebel established in this country. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, it really reminds me of that. 
um, how God was raising up women and the reason women were so, so shut down was because they were the only ones who could really tear down Jezebel. It was something along those lines. But it that was really is profound. Awesome. When was that? Oh. <laughs> I think maybe 2015. 2016. It was a while ago. Yeah. Oh, that's a word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a really good word. And that's awesome. I'm trying to remember the rest of that. But that was, I remember he kept going with that. I've heard him say that a couple times since then. But yeah. Hmm. What are you looking up? Are you trying to find that word? Yes. <laughs> She's got all of them in her phone. <laughs> I love it. Um, where where can people find? Do you have that word somewhere? Like the full California word? Yeah, I recorded it. Um, I just put it out on IG. So if you go to my um, my page there, you can find it just on my IGTV. What's what's your handle? Instagram handle. It's, it's Sarah LG five. Um, also so I want her you to tribal. Go follow her. <laughs> okay, I found the word. It's very short. We were actually out in the hallway, and it was a small group of people. And he just like came out of nowhere and shared. That's right. That. It wasn't even from the he stage. It yeah, was he backstage. Wasn't Wow. He just randomly shared it, and he goes, It is a time of the women. The women are at war against witchcraft and abortion. It is a time of Esther and Deborah. And mm-hmm. then he started speaking about Ruth arising, um, and uh, about Ruth arising, and then that's when he went into, uh, what was the other thing? About Jezebel. How mm-hmm. the women were the ones that were going to defeat Jezebel in the country. Wow. I but he went that. into his whole Lou Angle mood where he's like rocking. <laughs> rocking, know, <and> yeah. <laughs> just like the voice deepens and it fluctuates and you're just like, yes, yes. <laughs> Give me more. It was so powerful. Have you gotten a beer on him at all? Um, yeah, he was, I mean, not like, you know, in close proximity, but I remember he came out to um, probably the second Bethel conference out in L.A., um, and so he came out, I think it was 2017 and he was really, um, like releasing the word of, um, women standing against abortion and, uh, the mm-hmm. Mordecai's coming alongside and supporting women. I mean, it was so powerful. He was standing up there on that stage and he just called out the, the men in the room to come and like lay hands on all the women to support them and it was such a powerful moment like it was so thick in that room of unity um, Mm. between just like sons and daughters Um, it was powerful I remember I was really really impacted by that Uh, yeah 2017 but um, yeah it's interesting that you say that Milka because one of the other like components of that three-year journey and and the different puzzle pieces to that word was I I had had a dream um, and I was I had my daughter with me and I was holding her hand and I walked into what looked like a government building, kind of just like a place you would receive like healthcare or assistance. Um, It was a really big building and it was full of office spaces and waiting rooms and people were getting help. You could tell they were filling out papers and and some people were there for medical things. Some people were there to receive um, just assistance and I was waiting. to be called into an office. I didn't know why I was there yet. And 
when my name was called, I brought my daughter into this big, beautiful office and there was a gorgeous woman. She was in a three piece suit, very professional. She's sitting behind a desk and I knew that she had influence. Um, and she looked me dead in the eyes and she said, I know, you know what I'm about to do. If you say anything, I'll hunt you down. But if you're quiet, I'll leave you alone. And just her words mm. like struck fear in me. And mm-hmm. I remember getting up and thinking, I have no idea what she's going to do, but, but I know it's going to be bad. It's going to be really, really harmful to the people in this building. But something in me was just afraid. And so in the dream, I walked out. I grabbed my daughter and I thought, I just, I have to save my daughter. And I walked out of the building. And as soon as I walked out, the building blew up like a bomb went off. And that dream haunted me for like weeks into months. Like I just felt like this, Mm. um, almost like if I had, I could have saved those people. Like I had missed out on an opportunity to save them. And I remember I was just praying into that dream. Like, what did I miss? Why is this kind of like haunting me um, in a way? And the Lord revealed to me that 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 building represented governmental authority and that that woman represented Jezebel and that it was kind of like a threat to women, like that women knew um, what the enemy was trying to do and the assignments um, that the enemy was trying to do through Jezebel and that we had power in our voice to expose Jezebel we had kind of this like prophetic yes. insight. And if we stood quiet, mm-hmm. we might be saved, but all the people that God was, you know, calling us to, to speak out for, we're going to go under. And so it like stirred me up like no other. And I, I definitely went into a season of warfare um, with a lot of Jezebelic attacks after that. But, um, but yeah, that dream just it wrecked me and it taught me like you cannot stay silent you cannot stay in intimidation no matter what the um kind of like the bribe is to to not speak up we have to speak up and expose the agendas of the enemy really so good so what does it look like to to speak up um for me, I find that um, relationally with women, like being in relationship with women that have a voice and they're called to influence, you know, their mountain or their sphere of influence um, and to really nurture and pull out, you know, the golden side of them. Because I think a lot of times women we'll hide in corners, you know, and we'll really suppress Mm -hmm. the courage that we have, um, the fire that we have. And a lot of times when we're growing up as young girls, you know, they say that, you know, boys oftentimes, um, when they're feisty, they're leaders, but when little girls are, you know, feisty, they're bossy. And so, you know, in culture, typically women that speak up and women that have a fight in them, it's not always looked at as a quality that, you know, you want. And so I really feel like for me, speaking up is pulling out the fire inside of other women and really supporting them to point their voice, their unique voice, right? Um, their unique gift blend 
towards the battle and towards the enemy and point their sound towards darkness Mm -hmm. and really helping women like identify that um has been like a strength for me and it's it's kind of way that i speak up is to lift up others right and nurture the call of god inside of them because i it's it's not about me right i'm one person but if i can help light fires inside of a you know a movement of women whoever god brings me we're going to get the work done quicker right Mm. right so what would you for women who are not connected to other women with powerful voices or with influence who can't relate to you you know for women who are a mom at home and Mm. they live a pretty just normal everyday life what would you say to them like what would be their role in speaking up Mm, that's a good question um so I'm a coach and I, I work with a lot of women um and I love to kind of ask women like you know what what makes your blood boil right? Like what keeps you up at night? What is something that, um, you know, it's not work for you, but it's a passion for you. Um, and really help them identify that. So a lot of times, like, where do you see the most injustice in the world? And where do you see like your heart to bring solutions to that? I think that's like a really good indicator for, you know, Um, women that feel like, you know, I'm not going to go travel the nations and prophesy, you know, I'm not going to go plant churches, or I'm not going to go start, you know, a big movement or speak in arenas. But, um, but everybody has a unique contribution to the kingdom, right? And so I think um, for women, whether that is tapping into their creative giftings, or their relational giftings, or, you know, just just sometimes gathering people around your table, and cooking a mill, right? Like that was Esther's right, yeah. secret weapon. That girl made a mill, mm-hmm. right? And she changed the course of history. Um, you know, we don't always see that as a powerful weapon, you know, um, loving our families to life um, and, you know, speaking into our children, calling forth and stirring up their spiritual giftings. That's powerful, right? Um, because you're raising warriors in your home. I have three girls, and I always say, like, I am raising an army of women, me and my girls, right? Um, so, I yeah, I that. think, like, yeah, no, really. I always tell them mm-hmm. that, like, you guys are warriors, and you're my little army. Um, so, yeah, I think finding, you know, where you notice the most injustice and believing that God is giving you solutions for that, Right. That's really good. And so what is, you said you're a coach. I was going to get into this later, but do you want to share a little bit? What what does it look like for you to coach people, to coach women? Yeah. So first of all. What are you referring to? Coaching, right. Yeah. You can can advertise a little bit. (laughs) No, it's fine. It's so funny because like never in a million years did I think I'd be a coach, right? When I used to hear that term, I would laugh and just be like, that's not a real job, guys. Like, get a real job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you kind of see it like all over Instagram, like, you know, or social media gurus or like every anybody can start a course. And um, but yeah, a friend of mine was um, 
he had gone through a journey and he began to coach. He went through training and um, I had just come out of like a season of intense inner healing and like Christian counseling therapy and um, felt like God wanted me to step back into some things and he offered to coach me. And I was just like, this isn't real. Um, And I did one session (laughs) with him and I was like, forever changed um and coaching is different than you know mentoring I would say mentoring is when you invite someone to pour into you right you're asking them to pour into you their experience their knowledge wisdom um even imparting you know the gift of God and anointing on their life and coaching is very much um it's like a a pulling out of what God is already doing in you. And so it really gets like hyper-focused on Holy Spirit's work and his shaping work in your life and helping you align with that. Often when you're going through like transition or you're feeling stuck in, you know, the next step in your life, um, sometimes you just need a place, like a safe place to process that. Um, And so it's an ongoing conversation where we just allow Holy Spirit to be the expert in your journey. And a coach just facilitates that space. Um, You'd be surprised how many people step into coaching and they get that revelation. It drops. They get the next faithful step that they need to take in their journey. Um, And it works well with the prophetic because it's very much like about the present, but also your future, right? It's calling you into vision and it's those next steps. It's also about accountability and someone just really um, encouraging you where you might feel scared or intimidated. So it was life-changing for me. um, And I didn't realize how much it was um, just part of who I am and who God's called me to be and helping to support people. So I went through all the training for the last three years, definitely been training, um, uh, with an organization called Leader Breakthrough. Um, and so we do some mentoring, but mainly coaching. Um, and it's been it's been awesome to walk people through their journeys, their processes, and then to, to really pull out um, and activate spiritual giftings in their life and, um, and just see them flourish. Yeah. So do you have like a certain type of, of coaching or like a you know, a certain type of person you like to coach or is it pretty broad? What's your focus? I definitely love coaching with women. That's kind of my sweet spot. Um, But yeah, I I do a lot of group coaching, coaching cohorts, um, co-ed. I've done that. I've worked with a lot of leaders, um, just ministry, nonprofit, uh, entrepreneurs, We just started, her tribal, we just started a 10-month coaching cohort um, group and one-on-one. So it's like huge commitment, but it, I mean, by the end of that 10-month period, I've walked through it myself. I've walked through it with a couple other groups. Um, It's just transformative. Like, it's amazing. Um, So I definitely love coaching women that are ready to step into, like, just the fullness that God has for them. Um, women that have kind of felt like you know what they have to give uh, maybe like their gift plan isn't really fitting you know like in traditional women's ministries right like I have a lot of women who are hungry for more they want to go after the 
mm-hmm. you know, deep things of God. And it's not like, you know, those aren't deep things, but, you know, I've had women who are like, you know, I really don't want to plan another tea party. Like, I want to figure out how to go after principalities over regions, you know. <laughs> and and so, you know, it's almost like you're afraid to say that. Like, I'm afraid to say I want more. You know, I'm afraid to say um, that I want to step into, um, you know, activating the, the prophetic gift on my life. And I don't know where to go with that. And I don't know who to talk about these dreams that I'm getting or the warfare that I'm experiencing. And so, um, yeah, those are probably my favorite type of women to coach because they're ready, they're hungry and they're ready to go after it. Um, and a lot of times, you know, there's a process to that because sometimes there's wounds, you know, inner, inner wounds that we've experienced, whether, we felt like we couldn't pursue that because we were women or, you know, you were told you couldn't be that within your denomination or your church. Um, I remember I had never seen a woman preach until I was hmm. 17 years old. I didn't even know that existed. Wow. Um, and it changed my life. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it just opened up a new world for me. And I had suppressed so much of, of who I was, my identity, um, and the gifts that were in my life. When I saw that and I heard her speak and prophesy, things blew up in me um, that just went dormant. And so I think walking women through those places of, you know, woundedness or, or feeling like, um, you know, they don't have uh, what it takes to step into that. Um, is really my passion. I want to ignite that and help women find that. Hmm. That's amazing. I love that because that is very much needed. Um, Mm. I have a question to you, for you, regarding just women and their voice. So for you, do you feel like you always knew you had a powerful voice um, or did you discover that as you just kind of, you know, got older and matured? Yeah. Good question. Um, yeah, I was the little girl with the big mouth. Um, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I was, pro- I was, you know, prophetic black and white from birth, I, I would say. Um, I just <laughs> couldn't. They couldn't shut me up. Um, And I would, like, call out adults in their sin with, like, no shame. Like, just bold. And um, and so I think I've always had something to say. Um, And it was kind of seen that way, like, how I grew up. It was like, be quiet. You're you're too bold. Um, You're too loud. And it wasn't until I was older that someone, like, exposed that lie and really told me like you don't have a big mouth you have a strong voice um and I had just never seen it like that um but no yeah all throughout you know childhood I kind of always knew I was I was called to communicate and called to minister and called to speak um and there was things that I would just no you know I didn't realize that they were like words of knowledge until later Um, but it would kind of bubble up in me if there was a truth I needed to speak, if there was, um, you know, something prophetic. I, again, when I was little, I didn't know it was prophetic. Um, 
it was almost like I couldn't shut it up. It, it had to come out of me. Um, and so learning how to navigate that um, and learning how to like steward that has definitely been a journey. Um, but yeah, I kind of I kind of have always known I had I had a big mouth, strong voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you go into some of your background a little bit? Like, did you grow up in a a Christian household? What you know, if so, what denomination did you grow up in? Like, can you can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so my parents were um, saved out of the. 70s Jesus people movement um they came out of the Catholic church um you know like traditional Hispanic culture they were the first ones in their family to um accept Jesus and it didn't go over well (laughs) and uh but they really Mm -hmm. stepped out like as pioneers um and so by the time I came along um they had been serving God um I think they were yeah they were like involved in like calvary chapel and and so i was kind of born into that um and i was yeah when i was a baby i kind of do you want me to start from there ryan from baby (laughs) Um, sure i mean you were born into revival that's i was born out of yeah (laughs) Um, but I'm grateful for that history that they had because, because, um, when I was a baby, actually, I was, I almost died twice within the first two months of life. So, um, God miraculously healed me, um, when I was born, uh, the doctors gave me like a 50, 50 chance of living. Um, there was kind of, there was a blockage in my digestive system and they didn't know what it was. Like they never found out what it was, but I was really sick. Um, and I wasn't eating. And so uh, that was pretty scary within like the first two weeks of life. I was a mm-hmm. NICU baby and my parents were just not going to take that. Um, and so they called in the mm-hmm. troops. They called in the pastors and the prophets and they prophesied over me. Um, and so I pulled through that and um, a second time being in the hospital. Um, and so, yeah, I grew up in kind of just non-denominational churches um, and we we were in sort of like a, a really big church planting um, kind of apostolic church called New Harvest out in Southern California. And they really loved on um, just like the tough project type neighborhoods, ex-convicts, uh, drug addicts, um, gang members, like all of that. So I grew up in street ministry. Like I was a little kid mm-hmm. out, you know, knocking on doors praying with my parents, laying hands on people. Um, we, we were wow. in tough neighborhoods. Like now that I look mm. back on it, like scary situations. Um, but we loved it. Like that was a huge ministry for us. And so I saw like hands on ministry every week. Um, and that was, that was kind of our church was we went out, you know, and we definitely had church and brought people in, but we were out on the streets all the time and I loved it. So I was able to flow hmm. um, just in all my little giftings and watch, you know, women intercessors just praying and people falling out in the spirit and um, just spoke in tongues very early. And um, I loved, I loved the spirit. I loved Holy Spirit and just seeing him move on people's lives so that's kind of what I grew up in 
Um, and then, yeah, I think our family definitely had a time where we stepped away from the Lord. And that was when um, the teen years got really rough for me. It was a lot of oppression, but um, I came mm-hmm. back to the like Lord. Like your whole, your whole family? Your yeah, whole family there was stepped definitely, away? Mm-hmm, it was definitely a tough season. My mom um, was diagnosed um, with uh, liver failure. And so that was that was a hard season. She almost passed away during my teen years but um yeah it was crazy god that story was crazy too god totally provided and healed her um but i came back to the lord at 17 um and it was like coming home it was like never like i was never gone um and then i've just been like serving god ever since wow so what what do you think drew you back to the Lord? We were just talking about this. I think it was last night. About... It was earlier today. It's just been a really long day. <laughs> yeah, it was earlier today. Um, we were talking about how, I mean, I walked away from the Lord when I was a teenager. And you did too, right? Yeah. And we just talked. No, about... I was an angel. <laughs> okay. um, but we were discussing how, even though we walked away from the Lord, we always knew we were going to come back. I always yeah. knew that. I yeah. remember just being like, I know God is real. I know yeah. Jesus is king, but I'm bored with the church. I need to go have fun. And when I'm done having fun, I'll be back. Yeah. But my prayer all the time was that I wouldn't die in sin because <laughs> I didn't want to go to hell. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> so what drew you back to the Lord? That's so funny you say that because I used to pray the same prayer, Milka, honestly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, it's funny when you have that history with the Lord um, and you're like marked at a young age, you you can't outrun that, right? Like as much as you try, it's almost like you're Mm -hmm. ruined for Mm -hmm. anything else. And so, um, yeah, I, I was pretty determined on you know experiencing the world and got caught up um just trying all the things and I remember um wanting to you know I was so burnt out like by 16 I had done all the things and I was just done you know and I was like well I've tried everything so there's nothing left and this feels really hopeless I was like under doctor's care seen a psychiatrist on antidepressants and um, was pretty bound up in um, depression, anxiety. I had an eating disorder and I was, you know, you know, the doctors were telling me I had, uh, could die at any point. I was that weak. It had been like probably six years at that point. Um, And so I really did want to kill myself. And I really thought, you know, it would be so easy, but I didn't want to go to hell either. Like, that was the thing, as my parents mm-hmm. always told mm-hmm. me that, right? And I, I, I didn't understand, like, just the mercy and grace of God. And so that – but that really kept me from fully trying it. Um, and I remember at 17, I had the same thought. I remember I would, like, party with my friends, and I would tell them, like, you know, this is only for a little bit. I know I'll be back in church. You know, when I get married – Um, I'll be back in church Mm -hmm. when I raise my kids. And I had no idea that one of my friends was going to take me to the Rock Church here in San Bernardino in Southern California one day. 
and um, he invited me. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go. And I picked up like my Bible I hadn't picked up in six years and went to church. And and that's where like Jesus just was like, are you ready? Are you ready to come home? Like, you know, you belong mm-hmm. here. And it was like the easiest thing to step back into that. I was so tired and burnt out and exhausted on sin um, that, you know, I just kind of gave up into his love and just surrendered again. But yeah, I always knew like, this is a season. I don't, I don't even know why I fought it so hard. Um, Mm -hmm. there was a lot going on in my family, I think. Um, and so that was really hard to navigate, you know, as a teenager, but, um, but yeah, I was so grateful that he invited me and, and I just, you know, I could feel it. Like I got filled with the Holy spirit again. Um, the air was sweeter, the sky was bluer, like I just felt alive again after feeling dead for so long, you know, just spiritually. Um, yeah, same. Yeah. Wow. So The Rock, that's, is that Miles McPherson? No, that or was um, that? Jim and Deborah Cobray. They, they started The Rock in San Bernardino, um, gosh, I think the early 90s. I could be wrong. Hmm. Um, yeah, the verse that was like in my spirit today, and this is, we had this conversation earlier, was the train up your child in the way they should go. Mm-hmm. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. And I was just kind of thinking about that as a promise over that believers need to take over their over their children. And then I started thinking about the fact that there's a difference between training and just telling them about something. And I think in the American church, especially we've really taken training as well, you're going to sit in church. And I think yeah. that's important. I did think they need to hear the word and all that. Um, but I think it's really beautiful that you got training. Like mm-hmm. you were, mm-hmm. you were brought into it. And actually one yeah. of the com- commentaries um, I was reading was like, it likens the, the word train to, um, to a word that means it, it's something along the lines of like, to rub a child's palate and it has to do with this mm. idea that bef- like when a baby was born in order to get the midwives to rub the baby's palate with oil or chewed up dates to get them wow. to want to suck and actually feed awesome. and so yeah so it's like really beautiful it's like you're actually teaching your kids how to be hungry um wow. yes. and and helping prepare them to be wow. hungry and feed them yes. to feed and eventually obviously they learn to feed themselves and so yeah. I, I just like that idea has been in my head today. Mm-hmm. And so it's really cool that that lines up with your story. I think it lines up with hers and, and with mine. It's yeah. like getting to see um, one of the statistics. I don't know the exact percentage, but um, a large percentage or, or the biggest um, difference between kids who left the house and went to college and kept following Jesus versus kids who left the house, went to college and didn't was seeing prayer answered. Mm. Um, and being a part of that, like being in the trenches with their family. Yes. And I think a lot of families, you know, just try to protect their kids from stuff, especially yeah. I can speak to white culture uh, and white culture they try to act like everything's perfect and hide, hide it from the kids and make sure their life looks perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I just like, that's one of the biggest disservices yeah. to kids because that's the point that they can see God come through. Yes. Um, and then things like, you know, like going door to door ministering and stuff. And yeah. we're seeing that with our daughter now and just how much she like she loves to pray for people, like yes. loves to be. She's two and a half and loves to be in that with us. 
And yeah. so I'm, I'm taking that as a promise. Like we, we pray that our kids will never have a falling away point mm-hmm. or a mm-hmm. season of rebellion or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, the promise is, you know, when they're old, they won't depart from it. Yes. Um, so Absolutely. even if they have a season, I'm like standing on our kids are going to know God their whole life. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. Like just ex- I love how you guys are exposing your little ones to the spirit and to just how that manifests and creating that environment, you know, and that atmosphere and welcoming them into that, you know. I I was a like a children's director for a little bit and I just really hated <laughs> how segregated like all the ministries were right and like how children had to Mm -hmm. go away um into children's ministry and never see their parents like worship and cry and raise i mean that's not all churches you know some some worship together as a family but you know see how their parents are studying the word and um how other adults are doing that and practicing you know um as little kids i think you know, that's so powerful when we do it as a family, you know, it's multi-generational um, and you allow them to come into that at a young age because we know there's no junior Holy Spirit, right? Like it's the same Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I agree. I think, you know, for me, it's interesting to see how God has done that with my life and how he's been so faithful, right? Like he did not let me go. Um he fiercely loved me and protected me and brought me. I mean, there's so many times when I would look and think like, wow, I should have been dead here. Totally should have been Mm. dead. Right. Mm. And you just shudder to think, but it's just, you're so grateful. And then to see it with like my children, like my oldest daughter is, um, 17. She's a senior this year. And to see, you know, what we instilled in her and like the words that I spoke over her in my womb and as she was growing and just prophesying over her. And she definitely did have a season where it was like, whoa, is she gone, God? (laughs) You know, like, am I not going to see her for a decade? And it was a war. It was a Mm -hmm. battle to stir up those prophetic gifts that we had or prophetic words that we had spoken over her and just stand and like, you know, just get that stake and, put it into the ground and saying we're not moving for her life like mm-hmm. we will see every word of god returned over her um and that was definitely tough but to know that he was faithful in my life like when you have that history right like you don't you don't break easily you know he's faithful and so god has been really faithful in her life and that's a whole nother story and testimony but um she has seen that you know, and so how much more for her children and the generations to come? I just think it gets, you know, progressively the generations get more blessed and more blessed and things get broken off generationally with every, um, you know, every child born into the family. So it's encouraging, you know, we're getting better and better. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. So what, um, what advice... So my listenership is uh, about 70% women. Um, <laughs> so awesome. I don't know why Yay. that is. It just women seem to be more hungry than guys a lot of times. Uh, <laughs> so it's like that in the church too. That's kind of the breakdown of the church. But um, And I know there's a lot of moms and stuff who listen or future moms. Um, what, what mistakes have you made and what 
victories have you had or things that you know really yeah. contributed to that hmm that's a good question um I think as a young mom um I felt like I had a lot to prove um coming from my family and you know a lot of the oppression and uh things that were on us because yeah we served god but there was a lot of things that were um you know never broken off um Mm. i felt a lot of pressure to be like the perfect christian mommy and that i was going to do different with my my girls um and so i'm kind of a go-getter and i (laughs) i was like I'm going to make this happen, right? Like my daughter is my second chance, right? Like I screwed up my life in ways. And so I was going to kind of make things right through my kids and please God with, you know, how I was mothering and that I could do it all really, you know, I'm going to be a mommy and I'm going to serve God and I'm going to do ministry and I'm going to, you know, be the best wife. And I just was, determined to um to do it all and so I think um I didn't enjoy a lot of those younger years because I had a lot of pressure and a lot that I wanted to prove to myself to everyone around me and ultimately to God you know I was really um determined to prove my worth to him you know and that I was worthy to be loved and that I was a good daughter, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and so as a wife and a mom at that time, um, I was going to do better than my mom and dad. And so I didn't do that in God's grace and in his love. I did that in my own works. And so I definitely burnt out a lot and crashed and burned a lot. Um, and kind of just parented out of fear, you know, fear of making a mistake, fear of, screwing it all up, fear of, um, you know, being just like, you know, my mom and dad and my grandparents. And so um, I really didn't know how to express the father's love when my girls were really young. Um, And that is a big regret. I had to learn the hard way. Um, And I I really couldn't give it out because I hadn't really received that, um, that mm-hmm. agape love and that, you know, love that was just unconditional. Um, and so you can't give out what you don't have. And so I walked through a journey of, of meeting the father and receiving his love and then um, learned how to pour that out on my girls. So I had a lot of repenting to do, especially with my oldest. Like um, God walked us through restoration, just, just even 2019, 2020. Um, there was a lot of things that I had to really like repent and let go and and ask for her forgiveness and um god really restored that um so yeah i would say just for mommies like the best thing you can do for your babies is is be a child with your father and like receive his love and let him hold you and receive his delight like if you want to learn how to delight over your children You've got to sit in that. You've got to experience that. You've got to hear the voice of your father over you, you know, and then you'll be able to speak 
um, the voice of love over your children, right? You've got to see yourself as he sees you. Um, and then you're going to see the gold in your kids. So yeah, I think for me, I had a lot to prove and I was really trying to be the best daughter to, you know, my father, to God. And I was already accepted. I was already loved. I just, I didn't know it. Um, and so how could I delight in my children until I had experienced that first, you know, and you can, you can have every like sort of head knowledge, right? You can study the scriptures. Mm -hmm. I remember just like, like memorizing scripture, um, definitely was coming out of like a, a word of faith kind of background. And so I was like consuming scripture and memorizing it. And just like, I had my flashcards and everything. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't so much about that, getting every step right. Um, you know, and checking off the list. Well, I, I memorized the scripture and I recited it 20 times and I said this prayer and I went to Bible study and I served and, you know, but it was, it was a, a receiving and an experiencing and a, like just letting it happen to you. Um, that's when I saw transformation in my mothering and the pressure was off immediately. Like all the pressure I was feeling that was crushing me. Um, I could, I could laugh. I could enjoy life. And my kids wanted to be around me like for the first time, (laughs) which is sad. Mm -hmm. Um, I was noticing that, that my relationship with my girls was really strained, especially my oldest for sure. Hmm. Yeah. One um, thing I've been thinking about today, which is interesting you sharing this is that one of the greatest things you can do as a parent is to heal the inner child in you before you try to, you know, not necessarily heal your child, but raise your child and connect with your child. Not that you have to do that first and you can't do it in the midst of, but it's very important to heal that inner child because a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of us, I know I also was one of those people. Um, we came from families where things weren't always done the best and we were shut down or we were hurt a lot. And so when we come into parenthood, there are some things that our children may do that trigger things within yeah. us that yeah. haven't been healed, that haven't been worked out or processed yes. with the Lord. And so... I read that somewhere a few days ago. I couldn't find it. I was like, where did I read that about heal your inner child? And I kept hearing that today. And so I was like, I'm going to find it. And I couldn't find it anywhere on Instagram. (laughs) Um, I'm sure it's somewhere. I just can't find it. But yeah, I thought about that today a lot, though, Mm. because I was like, that's actually really, really important. That's the best thing that as a parent you can do is to work on healing yourself because out of wholeness you can parent the best way over any like you said any kind of head knowledge any kind of you know training all of that doesn't matter if at the end of the day you your heart is damaged and it's all coming out of that place absolutely it's really good yeah I love that you said that there was this time um I remember I was kind of in that place of God just sort of kind of just trying to break down like the walls that I had had up and I was watching my 
oldest daughter at the time, she was probably like four, and she was playing down on the floor with her dad. They were like wrestling and laughing and just like just playing, right? And I remember feeling this like bitterness come over me, like just well up in my heart. And I was almost angry, mm-hmm. like watching her play with her dad. And I couldn't figure out why I was so upset. It was like irritating me. And I remember hearing the father say, you never had that. And you want wow. that. And I, I, it like wrecked me. And I remember just like instantly weeping. And I had to like excuse myself and walk away because it was like a moment with the Lord where he just came in. And I realized like I'm jealous of the mm-hmm. peace and child wonder that my daughter has because at at her age I didn't have that you know I didn't have that relationship with my father and I'm desperate for that and so wow what a thing to hear you know the Lord say um and it just spoke straight to my heart and I just I broke and I realized like I am desperate for that I'm starving for that relationship with you and so yeah I love that you said that Milka like it's so true right there's so many things that we experience as adults that have rooted from our childhood and what we've known of our parents and what we've known you know of um, or haven't known of the father Mm. yeah yeah and I I think that goes um yeah, that speaks to parenting, but there, you know, there's going to be a lot of people who are listening that aren't parents as well. Yeah. And it, it just, it's the key to everything is just mm-hmm. getting to that place where you can just receive the father's love. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been on this, uh, kick a little bit lately. Um, just as of watching my daughter develop and just realizing what things actually help a child develop. And then thinking back to like, you know, we've had a lot of conversations around this just cause it's relevant right now in our lives, but you know, how, how was I taught and like the things I learned in school. And one of the things was, um, that I think I saw a Ted talk or something recently on this, but, or this was part of that, or I don't know, maybe it was something on Instagram. Who knows? We have so much information now. (laughs) Um, but it was about how school and the way that we raise kids is typically Mm -hmm. about pass or fail. It's about like Mm -hmm. a goal, an outcome or whatever, um, and because that, you know, then thinking through that kind of idea, it's like we've actually taught kids out of taking risks. We've taught them yeah. out of um, being creative, out of these different mm-hmm. things because we're, you know, um, I heard Gary Vanderchuk, uh, entrepreneurial guy, he said, um, he said schools, schools make great workers. They don't make mm-hmm. great entrepreneurs. And it's yeah. like not a place for the creative mind because you're, yeah. they're trying to mold everyone the same way. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that we end up doing that when we, when we don't recognize uh, the beauty of the father and how he sees us as an individual child. He sees our strengths, our weaknesses. He yes. still chooses us. He still enjoys us. Um, when we don't see that, we begin to replicate something uh in our kids mm-hmm. and those people mm-hmm. around us, we, we have mm-hmm. a certain demand we put on people or a thing we're looking for people to do or look like. Yeah. Um, and I think it just, everything shifts. Like literally your, your perspective completely shifts when mm-hmm. you see the father rightly, you begin to see you rightly. And then you mm-hmm. see, then it becomes, you see everyone else around you rightly. Um, yeah. if rightly is a word. So 
don't know. We'll say it is. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it is. But I just learned a new word the other day. What was it that my aunt said? Acrid? I'd never heard that word before. It meant like bitter. A-C-R-I-D. Really? I was like, I've never heard that word in my life. <laughs> so, anyways. Good word. I think rightly is a word. Rightly. <laughs> yes. So let's go back to, you mentioned the prophetic, you mentioned words of knowledge, um, God speaking to you in, in, in different ways without you even knowing it. Um, you have, um, you know, one thing I, I feel on you just talking with you and stuff is like you actually do carry a prophetic authority. Um, that's not normal for everyone. Um, and so... I want to hear a little bit more about what is that? I always like talking to prophetic people. I believe everyone can prophesy. I believe yeah. everyone can hear God. Um, you know, so you just need to develop it. So if you're listening yeah. to this and you're like, oh, I'm not a prophet or whatever. Um, but there is like, there's, there is a prophetic weight on you um, mm-hmm. that I can, I can feel pretty strong just talking to you on a, on a video call. Um, and so I just, I like to hear from prophetic people, like what, what does it look like? growing up in that what are can you share some of those times where you got words of knowledge or or different things like that um and you just you knew things about people or or whatnot um so i'm gonna ask you that question um and but this is the point we're actually going to stop the first episode um so to hear the answer to this question you're gonna have to listen to the next episode if this episode has impacted you uh, please share with your friends share with everyone you know um, go and follow Sarah on all of her social media um, and be looking for episode the, the next episode of this, which will be episode 35, which will be part two of this conversation. Um, if this ministry or this podcast has blessed you, um, would you please consider giving a one-time or monthly gift? You can go to firemovement.com support, and there you can do a one-time or recurring gift. Um, however you see fit. Um, but thank you for all the support. Thank you for the testimony. Share with us what's, what God's doing. And uh, make sure you rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Um, give it five stars. And that will actually help us move up in the, search, um, in the search bar so people can find our podcast. So until next time, this is the Fire Podcast.